Hey everyone, I'm your host, Kirsten, and I'm back with a new episode of Pink Podcasts and Pink Hair. Today I'm interviewing an old school friend. I've been following Jesse Bosch's career over the last few years and have been fascinated by his energy and drive. Jesse is the CEO of Interview Me, a new digital startup that provides a video interview platform to assist in fast-tracking recruitment and improving culture fit and diversity. I'll leave a link in the description for you to find out more, but I highly recommend it. Jesse has also been hugely successful working in roles like sales manager, managing director, general manager, head of sales and sales director, and has worked for incredible companies, including Mercedes-Benz and Meltwater. Plus, don't forget he went to school with me, so that adds a few credits on his CV too. (laughs) I had so much fun in this conversation and I hope you do too. As always, like, follow, subscribe, and share, share, share. Jesse, thank you so much for joining me on my Pink Podcast. It's so cool to have you on my show. Thank you so much for having me. Who would have known it? Like school days and now we bump in here, right? <laughs> I know, I was actually thinking today, who would have known that Eden Glen High was like a breeding ground for entrepreneurs? <laughs> yes, I hope there's a lot more. I mean, I've chatted to a couple of guys and a couple of guys are doing really well. So, but I mean, it's super cool for you to be doing this and in terms of just your business in general, I think you know, you've got some cool stuff happening with Inside Pink Soda. So excited for the chat. Yeah, thanks, Jess. So I wanted to chat to you today um, a bit about entrepreneurship because It's a lot of what I focus my content on, and I think it's so relevant. Um, The market for entrepreneurship, I think, especially in South Africa, is growing. We're trying to promote more people to, you know, start up opportunities and and create employment for other people. And it's also just such a fun space to be in. I don't know how you feel, but I've absolutely loved my journey as an entrepreneur. And it seems like you have as well. I know you've, you've got a startup, but what has your journey been like? Is this your first kind of path into entrepreneurship or what's your background yeah absolutely so one number one it's it's super cool but super scary in the same breath um i, I won't lie but i think um I, I tried to start a business when i was 24 um i wanted to open a, a guitar business where i would actually import guitars that people could actually build themselves and paint and design and that i've got a big passion for music but i ended up finding myself having a couple of rise too many tequilas and handing guitars out for free as opposed to selling them <laughs> and quickly realize that this was not a good business model for me and kind of just pulled a handbrake on it. Um, but Interview Me is obviously the first proper business that we've started up. Um, it's been a, an exciting but yet scary journey, leaving a, a secure job. I had a really good job as well before and really just taking the leap. Um, I was having a good conversation with someone last week about like, how did you just do it? And I said like, I almost had to say, well, if not now, when, you know, and, and just decided to, to take the leap. I was fortunate to, to have, well, I am fortunate to have a, a good business partner, which from a finance perspective has really backed me um, in terms of this dream that I had of, of interviewing me and having my own business. But in saying that, you know, whether you've got someone backing you financially or not, you still have put a lot of pressure on yourself to make this thing work. And it's not like... It's just this bottomless pit of money that you have forever and you can kind of just go with the flow. Um, So it's been a lot of late nights, a lot of preparing, 
working with almost a non-existing marketing budget and trying to get people into this whole new mindset of in terms of how to do things differently. Mm. It's challenging and people are resistant to change in most cases. I mean, it's super exciting when I chat to people that are like, yes, please talk to me. This is super cool. But when you chat to people and they're like, no, thanks. We've got something in place. You know, the traditional things, it, it's frustrating for me because I, I get where they're coming from, where they're like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But at the same time, if we can streamline and do things better, then just give me the time of day. So it's it's been a, an incredibly exciting journey. We've we've literally just signed for new offices, which we move in to um, next week on Tuesday. Massive offices. Wow. We we pretty much only launched on the first of October um, last year, although it had been about a year in development. And we've already got twelve people. Uh, and it's probably going to grow by another four or five in the next month or so. So there's a lot going on, but I, I know I've probably waffled a little bit there, but I can't really give it to you in like two or three words and say, yeah, exciting, <laughs> scary, fun, because there's just so many emotions attached to it. But I would say that it's one of the most, you know, I think I'm more excited about this move than any other move. Um, I actually had a job offer three days ago, offering me triple the amount of money that I used to earn. And I turned it down just because I'm so passionate about what we're about to achieve. Well, that's what I was going to say. I can so relate. You know, it, it's there is so much passion and, and maybe that's the driving force. Maybe that's really the the match that hits the fire or that creates the fire, you know. It's like you you have this, this burning desire to make something happen and you're so passionate about it. And then it eventually just overflows and you pull the trigger and you take action. Um, because that yeah. is the scariest part, I think, is is just like taking the plunge to say, you know what, I'm going to put it all in and take the risk and, and make it happen. And that's where a lot of people get stuck. So that brings me to my next question, because we kind of like touching on it now is some people say it takes a certain kind of person, like set of characteristics to start your own business, because you've got to be a bit of a risk taker. And like you're yeah. saying with your clients, you know, they hesitant to, to change up things and to change the legacy way of thinking because that's been safe for them and, you know, they don't want to take a risk. So do you think that it is a personality trait thing or do you think that anybody could be an entrepreneur? I genuinely think that anybody can be an entrepreneur. I think in terms of how they approach their entrepreneur, I guess, journey could differ to one that is very outspoken and, you know, in your face and I'm considered an extrovert. But I think anyone that has just a passion for what they want to do and if they genuinely believe that they're solving a problem, mm. I think anyone, I don't believe that it's associated to a specific characteristic. And sometimes, you know, taking risks is is risky. I mean, like, I mean, I know for lack of a better word, you know, and some people might need to be a little bit more calculated because they have a lot more to lose. Um, I do think, though, that people that continuously play the risk over and over in their head, perhaps that could stifle what they're wanting to achieve. Mm. Um, but maybe you can be a little bit more calculated in your approach and still become a really good entrepreneur. It might just take you a little bit longer. Maybe even not. Maybe once you've decided that you've calculated all these things and you've put specific measures in place, it takes off. Um, I guess that's just really dependent on your personality. I'm one of those guys where it's in my mind, I can't sleep at night, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, I'm writing ideas on my phone yeah. and I to do it. And I guess there's a lot of people out there that are like that too. Um, so I don't necessarily believe that being an entrepreneur is associated to a specific characteristic. I think anybody can do it. 
provided that they are super passionate about what they want to do. And in terms of how they approach that, obviously that's entirely up to them. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think potentially certain personalities will be able to take the risk a bit quicker and like go for it. And and some people, like you say, might have to be a bit more calculated. Um, but I think what's exciting about it and flipping daunting at the same time is like, it's a constant gamble. That's how I feel. I mean, I've been on my own for four years now, you know, hustling, trying to make things happen. Pink Soda has been registered for three years. And it, that that gamble and that hustle and that risk never goes away. I actually feel like it just gets bigger and bigger because now, like for both of us, there's staff involved. You've got to make sure you can pay everyone's salaries. You've got to make sure you keep everyone happy. Um, so, so yeah, I guess you've, you've got to kind of like be, be prepared to take on that risk and be ready for yeah. it and just go with it. You've got to actually just like have full faith in yourself and your decisions and, and make it happen. I think having those added responsibilities, exactly like you said, officers, staff that have families that they need to pay and support for, I think that gives you an additional bit of drive it in does. terms of you know that you can't just go and have a kip on the couch because you're <laughs> over it. You've got to get things happening, right? Um, and I think, you know, many of people, once they get to the stage of, okay, I'm not going to do this and they bring on stuff, they know that Friday at two o'clock is not beer o'clock anymore. It's we need to do whatever it takes to make this happen. And if you look at so many different entrepreneur stories, I mean, the guys from Batu Shoes, I follow the guys quite quite frequently and they're selling shoes out of his back of his car for, for years. Um, and then, you know, it progressed. And that's just hard graft and, and grit. And I think, you know, for the things that are coming to mind for me, it was specific word is perhaps stamina, mm-hmm. um, where you've got to be able to push through the tough times. You've got to know that like you're going to get a million no's and whatever you, but it doesn't matter how many of those no's you're going to get. You need to keep pushing because it's not just you that you're thinking about anymore. It's somebody else as well. So I think that actually motivates people to work even harder and make things happen. And and I truly believe in hard work gets results. Yeah, no doubt. So on the note of, of having teams and like you said, your team, is growing and has grown pretty rapidly, which is amazing, Jess. Well done. Thank you. Um, what What is important to you as a leader? Like, what do you think, what do you, what do you value in yourself as a leader and what do you think people should strive for in leadership? I think in leadership, people tend to have, well, I'm, I'm assuming just from what I've experienced in the past is they, they traditionally have a blanket approach when it comes to managing their staff and I think, Empathy is a, is a word that kind of pops into my mind where you've got to, one, be empathetic with your clients, but two, you've got to be empathetic with your staff. Your staff are real people and having regular one-on-ones and actually listening to your colleagues and really understanding what they're going through and perhaps what challenges. Because, for example, in a sales environment, you'll see someone that's not performing from a sales perspective. And most managers will say, you're not phoning enough. You're not, you know, cold calling, you're not prospecting, your closing techniques may suck or whatever it may be. And that may not necessarily be the issue. And I think if you if you really spend time with your staff and understand and then create a, a roadmap and really hold your staff's hand in that journey. And, and I don't mean like, you know, you need to baby them and like, no, just watch every and like say, no, it's just like that or it's always okay. <laughs> but nine out of 10 times, your colleagues actually have the answers mm. to the questions that they ask you as the manager. And I think 
reinforcing that confidence that they actually have the answers. And because once once you get your team to do what you want them to do, they're, they're typically doing it because you've asked them to do it. Mm. Where if you flip it back onto them, they feel like they're empowered and in control of that journey. And you tend to find them succeed and thrive off of those types of things. And I think, you know, for me, that's super important. And then also having a winning culture. You spend 80% mm. of your gra- time at Graft. The last thing you want to do is come into a sad, dull, 85 environment because our, that's personally how I feel. Maybe other people enjoy those kind of vibes, <laughs> but for my team specifically, we're all about celebrating the victories, mm. high fives all around. Um, you know, we make a lot of noise, but we also, so I mean, if I had to break up culture down into three things, I'd say it's fun, winners, and respect. We have a lot of nice. fun. We hate losing. And we make sure that we respect everyone on a professional level and a personal mm. level. 100%. I was actually having a conversation with someone today about respect and I suppose you could include empathy in that as well is, is you know, whether it be uh, in communication with your staff or with your clients. For me, like it's a human to human transaction and that's what people tend to forget in the business world. So approaching your staff with empathy doesn't mean you need to be a pushover and be like super soft and gentle. And like you say, you don't need to spoon feed them. But it's a matter of like understanding and constantly going back and going, okay, well, why could this person have behaved that way? Where can I support them to make sure that this doesn't happen? Maybe they're not as skilled as I am. Maybe they have a different mindset about it. Maybe I didn't communicate clearly. And once you've ticked all those boxes, you have a different approach to take. And I think it comes down to mutual respect, exactly like we're saying. Mm-hmm. With clients and with staff, you need to see the human in each other. And I think as a leader, very much what you're saying as well is that trusting is so key to be able to say like, you know what, you are a part of this business as much as I am. I want you to feel skin in the game. And I, I believe that you can do X, Y, and Z. And, and then they are yep. empowered and they do feel a part of the bigger picture. Absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah. You um, mentioned just now. Sorry, Jess, carry on. No, 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 carry on. No, 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 no. I, I can tend to ramble for days. I'm a salesperson by nature, so rather cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> this happens in every single podcast I do, by the way, because I'm also a rambler. I'm a, oh, I'm a fill the gap kind of person. I always have something to say. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, you mentioned just now uh, about culture, and I think it's so key. So from a marketing perspective, We've noticed that a lot of marketing is based on culture, right? People are not buying into brands because of their logo or their shiny products. They buy into brands because of the culture behind the product. So if you think of brands like Nike of, um, now they'll all go out of my head, of course, but, but like all the major brands, people buy into that lifestyle, even your luxury brands. You're not buying Nike, okay, fine, they've got superior running shoes, but before you get to try the shoe on, you sold on the story, you sold on, on what they say, on how they treat their staff. If you follow pages like that on LinkedIn, like you buy into that story, you know. Um, yeah. And that's where I think that marketing and HR actually have a very, very similar role, but on different sides of the fence. So where marketing is promoting culture externally, HR promotes culture internally. And I think that that's quite an interesting synergy. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite cool. So I've been very fortunate for every other job that I've had prior to, to interview me. Companies had really good cultures. Um, I've had one job where it was not so good. 
try to install in your culture. But I mean, that was more of an old school mentality. But the rest of the jobs that I've had had really good cultures. And so exactly like you've said, so this company sells this vision like a Google, cool mm. furniture, it's a vibe, you know, <laughs> four-day weeks, whatever it may be. Um, and I think the hiring process is so critical for that because if you're selling this culture and this vision for people to come in and then you've got someone that completely clashes with that vision, what could be a good culture can turn into a quite a terrible culture very quickly. I, I used the, the rotten apple example and I was actually that rotten apple one stage in my career where I think we all have I was having bad sales weeks, bad months, I was missing target and what happened was we had a really good vibe in the office and I found myself whining, mm. saying, oh, no one wants to talk to me, no one wants to buy, I'm bad at sales, is this the job <laughs> for me? And the people that I was talking to were having to empathize with me and saying, yeah, don't worry about it, Jess, and I'm also having a bad time. And the next minute, everyone was having a bad time because <laughs> I had just like infected them with all my negativity. And I was like, I need to snap out of it. And my managing director at the time said, Jess, you've got to rein it in there, mate. Like you, we need to get you out of it. <laughs> Took me out for a beer. We had a few high fives. We strategized. We're like, how do we get out of this rut? And the interview, the hiring process is crucial for that because if you're selling this idea and the person that you're hiring doesn't buy into that idea, or doesn't perhaps look and feel like the way that you want them to be for that culture, then it's probably not a good idea to, to bring that person into your business because you may be skilled enough to do the job. But if you don't necessarily gel well with that team and the vision of the company, one, you may damage it, but you also may not necessarily succeed mm. in that role because you feel like a misfit and very much out of place. And it's, it's actually quite cool with our platform, Interview Me, we've added a video, video element to the CV and we're like, get to know the person behind the CV. And a lot of people say, yeah, but I see the CV. I know what they're doing. I'm like, yeah, but that's not the person. Mm -hmm. You're not communicating with them. You don't understand who they are, what they're about, what they like, what they don't like. If you're an introvert, an extrovert, um, and our platform obviously helps identify that. But it does very much, HR and marketing have very much a, a close relationship in my eyes because of exactly what you said. Mm. Yeah, it's about focusing on the people, uh, you know, within the brand. Um, and I think it is, it's a very tricky task to identify culture fit. And it's not necessarily that you need to have all your staff be the same type of person. It's just like, no. how do they align with our values? You know, exactly. do, you, do they match with our, our ethics, with our vibe, with our, yeah, I think it mostly comes down to value. But what I love about your platform as well is obviously like the the video interview as a service thing is is super cool because it's such a good way to just shortcut that recruitment process. But I also love that it's an opportunity for companies to market themselves almost on an internal marketing basis. And I think this is where a lot of companies forget about it is when you are putting out a position, however you are advertising your position you are uh, attracting talent or you are trying to attract talent and you want people to be able to understand what your company is like. So the look and feel of your company, how you've written out your ad. And it's such an opportunity to get people to buy in because you're getting exposure in that advert to how many different people, whether they are your correct hire or not, they're going to come on and you want them to say, oh, this is the kind of company I want to work for. This is such a cool company. 
And if they're not successful, you want them to still feel like that was a cool brand to interact with. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we, when we built interview me one, we needed to make sure that the user journey for candidates was super easy because we, that's important for us. Right. Um, and I think there's two sides to this. One is the company that's using our platform can really brand our plat- platform according to their colors and put cool enticing YouTube videos in terms of why you should work for us and all of that. But I think my focus is even as equally as it is with our clients, it's with the candidates. I feel like so many good candidates have been missed. And I think when candidates now realize that the hiring company is giving the candidate the ability to put the best foot forward, the candidate automatically has a better perception around the brand that's giving mm-hmm. them the opportunity to be interviewed up front as opposed to just ending up being another CV on a table. Um, and I think that for me does even more good for the brand reputation of the hiring company mm. than what it looks and feels like from an ad perspective, because they're like, wow, these people actually want to know who we are as opposed to just being another CV. And the word of mouth of that is incredibly strong. And I think for me, if we can start educating our clients in terms of, Hey, hold on, this is what we could actually do for you indirectly without you having to spend any extra money on marketing, which is obviously important, but just that in itself is a, I don't know, a just a different way of showing candidates and the people out there that the corporate cares. Yeah. And I mean, we spoke just now about that legacy mindset with a lot of people not being open to change. Do you think that there is a shift? Like I do start to see a lot of breakdowns in traditional corporate communications. And again, from a marketing perspective, something as simple as copy on a website. It's like, let's not write your website in this super formal, super technical way, because people are very lazy to read firstly, and the message doesn't sink in. Let's write it as you would speak it, you know, let's make it a little bit more casual. And it also picks up on the brand's personality. Um, Do you think that the same types of things are happening in, in your space and in other spaces when it comes to recruitment and those sorts of things? There's definitely a shift in the mindset. The problem is I think your smaller to medium organizations are really taking that by the horns. They're trying to work out new efficient ways of doing things and are are all for trying to be different, Mm -hmm. which is super cool. I think the larger corporates, a lot more red tape, more people to, you know, from a user adoption perspective and that more people to deal with and engage with. And there's, you know, it's like, too many chefs in the kitchen. There's a lot of people that have a lot of different opinions about certain things. And I think it's it's challenging, but Hey, you know, that's okay. We, you know, it's not like a a one size fits all, but I definitely think that there's a shift and it's super cool to sit in the small to medium organizations because I ultimately believe those are the guys that are going to be the future of South Africa. And so yes, although we want to, (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Although we want to land the big fry, I think the small businesses are equally important. And I think those are the guys that have been, in my mind, most susceptible to change um, and open to it. And I think that's super cool. So when we chat to the smaller guys, they're like, ah, oh, this is amazing. We love it. Um, and, you know, you're as you said, you know, they, they're doing cool, funky websites, very simple, but super fun and, mm-hmm. I guess, engaging um, so yes, I do believe there's a shift. I don't think it's happening as quick as I'd obviously like it to, but I think it's definitely happening. 
Yeah, and I love it. I must say, like, I love the direction that things are going in in business at the moment um, with with everything just being like a little bit less serious. And I hope it continues that way. I mean, for heaven's sake, I've got pink hair, you covered in tattoos. (laughs) (laughs) So things are changing up and I love it. And yeah, Jess, well done on being one of those game changers to introduce something new and innovative. I think what you're doing is amazing and I can't wait to see more from you. Thank you so much, Kristen. And likewise with you, good luck with the team. I know that you're doing some cool stuff. You've done some branding and work for us already, which has been yes. epic. We've sent it on to clients and they're like, wow, this is super cool. So thank you very much for the help with that as well. Um, we're probably going to use you for a lot more stuff. Awesome. I'm looking forward to that. And you better have me over at your new office for coffee soon. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's in Greenstone. So it's super Yay. close to Edenvale. So obviously we're Vale people. We're keeping it in the Vale. But yes, Don't tell it too large, <laughs> awesome cool. thank you so much thank you and very yeah much, we'll good. chat soon <laughs> cool. magic thank Ciao. you bye